Welcome to Be The Difference. Presented by Back-to-Back Ministries celebrating 25 years being a voice for orphan and vulnerable children around the world. We share stories of everyday people who are being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Matthews, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. We are talking to two of my favorite people in the entire world today, Sammy. Yeah, we're talking to Kelly and Steve Carr. So they are the co-founders of Echo Church, Steve was originally the lead pastor, but in the last couple of years, Kelly has stepped into that role. So she's the lead pastor at the church, and we are going to hear about that journey for them and what it was like to step up into that position and what it was like to start the church. But what should we be listening for? There are a few things to listen for in this episode. The first is to listen for conversations around seeing the unseen. Really important topic. Second listen when either Steve or Kelly use just the phrase of that's you as they empower one another in their answers really powerful and then last listen for a conversation around echo and reverb each of you have a history of really some thriving careers prior to planting echo in 2005 from editorial work and publication to Steve being a a church pastor, youth pastor, and an influencer in that world. Why leave those spaces and then launch into church planting in Cincinnati? We we probably started maybe early on in our marriage saying, you know what, someday let's plant a church. And I think the initial thought was, you know, I was trying to tell Kelly, I was like, look, the East Coast needs churches and we should head out that way. And I would look at him and be like, how do you start something out of nothing? I don't understand this. Yeah, that that's the, I think that's the issue when we look at how we got things started was just very much like we would talk about it and dream about it. And then in 2005, March, we went to Israel. We came back, we had a event that we were supposed to run and I just said, let's skip it. Cause that's the best pastoral thing you can sometimes <laughs> do is just not go. Rest. And then, we were sitting at O'Charlie's and we were just exhausted from multiple weeks of travel, mm. from jet lag. And then Kelly started, she just started crying and she just said, it's time. It's just time to go. And more so than anything, the Holy Spirit spoke through you and really affirmed this idea of, okay, now we're doing this. Mm. So this was a inflection point to where it was like, okay, we're in this together, let's do it. Mm. And so from that point, Five months later, we just very quickly on <laughs> credit card, we didn't raise money. Mm-hmm. We just said, okay, let's find a place, get a few people. And we started it with us both people. It required moving. And then I found out I was pregnant. Yeah, it was kind of a tumultuous six months. From March 2005 to October, we went from selling a house, buying a new place, learning that we were pregnant, leaving a job, starting another job, starting a church. It's pretty pretty crazy month. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun. And we're still married. <laughs> so it I guess it worked it, it out. It worked out. In the midst of all those circumstances and those challenges, what did you go back to that would like ground you in the belief that this was worth persevering? I think you need to answer that. <laughs> because for me it was always I am a take the next hill type of guy. So for me, I'm always like, let's do it, let's go. Mm. Like let's get that. But in marriage and in ministry, you know, somebody like you, are you risk averse? You you don't love it. Yeah, I don't love it. I think I had the, but you always seem to know what you're doing or you're confident enough to project that. So I'm like, sure. Steve sounds like he knows what he's doing. I'll just follow. <laughs> and yeah. I felt like, okay, well, 
sure, we're in this together. That sounds, I don't know. I feel like the biggest decisions in my life are just like, I have a sense. Like that must be the way mm. the spirit moves for me is just I have a piece about it mm. in the same way as we'll talk in a minute about leading at Echo. It's just there's at some point I'm just said, oh, yeah. It just, I don't know, it clicks. I always come back to that moment in the O Charlie's <laughs> before our food came out when you started crying. It will be a seminal point in my life yeah. because it was about us doing it. And I didn't know at the time then. I was like, okay, you're coming and you'll be a major part of this, but I'm going to have to take the lead. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting now. The opposite is mm -hmm. that now it's like you're leading and I'm at this point where I'm like, how do I support this? Not just because I admire you and I admire the strength you have, but because you're leading our congregation in a robust way. So the biggest thing for us as we're coming into us, it's, it's always been about people. Like I think together we just love which is why I was people. sad to leave. That's why the tears were like, oh, I feel like we're supposed to do this, but we had all these really great relationships there. It was sad to leave. The prompting moment for you as well, Kelly, was the, the O'Charlie's moment or was there, was there a different moment? Like, do you share that in the memory or do you have a different I remember like moment? a worship, a time of worship where I could sense that Steve felt burden and I feel... I feel what others feel, especially those closest mm. to me. And so I could feel that he was carrying a burden in a place and also a longing. And so I just remembered singing and praying and maybe working through that idea of risk. Like I remember the, what is the praise song where it's just like, the chorus is just like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, mm -hmm. Lord. Do you remember that song? Yeah. yeah. And I just remember that was the prayer. And I was like, whatever, I get scared. But yes. Hmm. So you started Echo, but wh why'd you name it Echo? That's him. Yeah. I, so <laughs> at the time, so this is tough because now I we're in. the decision, actually. Okay. So uh, the uh, issue ooh, for me yeah. was that in that era of church planting, it was still very new. But the big thing at the time is everybody was looking for the visual metaphor, like whether it involves roads or rivers or hills. And I'm like, right. why? Yeah, it was all these visual metaphors. And then I'm always like, what about like the audible metaphors in scripture? Mm. Because I'm like, that's powerful. And so I just started, you know, reading the Bible and I'm like, what's good audible? And you're, you know, you're looking at Genesis where God speaks the world into existence. But in Romans, where Paul is giving that text is how, you know, how will they go unless they're not sent? How will people hear unless somebody mm. preaches to them? And I was just like, man, that's so interesting because... It's not that our brilliance, the words that we say are what is important, but it's that we are just basically echoing what God has said. So we come up with nothing new. We're just, it's a new iteration, it's God's word. Mm. So I was like, wait, what is a resonance? What does that look like? So echo resonance, but I was like, I got it, it's reverb. And I like reverb and I'm like, you can even use a colon. Like, Do you know sure. what I mean? So, but she was just like, that's the dumbest name I know, ever. No, it just sounded so, there's certain words that have certain quality when you say them. And I was like, reverb. And I'm like, I just, so I will say, giggle. And I was like, I don't want to church I don't want to giggle every single. <laughs> Welcome to reverb. reverb. Verb is a good word, but it just sounds weird. But I will say, the big thing for me was, I didn't want to be like whomever. So I Googled this stuff. There was no echo church. We There was actually the dot com was taken by like some, 
like ministry and they tried to sell me the URL and I was like, no, I don't need that. We'll just take a .org. But at the time we were the first Echo Church mm -hmm. and then like now there I think there's others. like 18 across yeah, the it's nation. Reverberated and throughout actually, the country. Yeah. And actually I think all of them are bigger and more prominent than ours. So, <laughs> and I've met some the people, original, like there's some really, good. there's some really good echo churches. When I meet them, I'm like, hey, you might be cool, but I came up with the name way before you did. <laughs> Because Kelly edited it. Without a doubt. Well done, Kelly. Right Without a doubt. It, it, always constant editing. But that's <laughs> yep. why we're good together. I was wondering, and you gave us a little bit of insight in it between the dynamic between the two of you of as you're starting out in that season of starting, you have words matter to you, Kelly, a mm -hmm. lot. You have this creativity to where you're even thinking about if culture is going this way with titles for churches, I'm going to think this like upstream way. How did the elements of the way that the two of you are wired, how did that create something unique as you were launching in Cincinnati? We were in a scenario where we saw the people who weren't seen mm. and that's who we connected with in our previous church, maybe in every church, but that's probably who comes along still. Definitely those who chose to start with us would have been places they didn't feel seen before mm. or part of a community. Because I, I think that's what is always interesting to see like, oh, who, who's coming along or who God brings our way. It's not usually the people we expect or maybe know how to <laughs> connect with, but they felt seen and they felt maybe that was missing previously or they know that they have a part and a voice. The hallmark of Echo, if I would say it, and it'd be interesting to hear your perspective, but for years we've always gotten people in the last stop before wanting to check out of Christianity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, look, you guys, you're, you're trying to be authentic, but really if this doesn't work out, I, I think we'll unsubscribe altogether. And interestingly enough, we've had people who have come to us and said, hey, we're no longer believers, but we need to be here because mm -hmm. we believe in this community. So they expect to then to get <laughs> kicked out of the church. And we're like, no, you're right where you need to be. Because mm -hmm. how is the Holy Spirit going to work in somebody's lives if they're not in the midst of the believers at that point? Why does it matter that we as believers seek out those who feel unseen or on in the margins? Because people matter. <laughs> I never know. I always feel like I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, but then looking back, you can say, oh, well, it was just about being with them. And the places that I feel the most comfortable aren't the the trendy spots or the hip places or the mm -hmm. so then maybe that that means I'm the right personality to to connect with others I'm really intrigued by this like tension I'm feeling that Steve you have passion for echo significantly what's that defining moment that had you let go as the lead role because that seems like the first season of this church was you were the lead minister, pastor, however you want to title it, and Kelly is now, what's a moment like that takes a personality like yours and opens its hands to let go of that leadership? 
I was mad at him when he said it. Very. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. It's, he's I like, was so mad. Right. It's like you're wired. You sound wired for this, and yet you're opening up your hands to let go of something. T- take us there. It just hit a point where I'm like, why do I feel resigned to a construct that says the call is if I'm a full-time employed vocational employee of a church. So it doesn't mean that my passion had diminished. Like since 2005 in October, I guarantee there's never a day I have not thought about our church. Mm. Like I, you know, I don't know if that's obsessive, <laughs> but I, I don't, I think that's right. It's like the kid metaphor again. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, it is part of us and yeah. an ingrained part to where, yeah, it's, it's just who we are. It's a mm-hmm. part of who we are in that community. So this move, I was just like, look, if I'm going to do what I need to do, I can't be the lead minister. Mm-hmm. So we did a point where I was like, look, you I'm, said I can preach, but I can't pastor. Yes. So I was like, look, I can keep teaching, but I don't need to be the lead minister. But we did see in that period that we lost some cohesiveness mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the church. It's true. And then we hired another person to be the lead minister. And, but he didn't like to preach. So mm-hmm. Kelly and I maybe did a few team sermons over the years. Mm. Had you ever really before? What happened was when you took a sabbatical and you opened it up That's for right. a summer and mm. you're like, I'm not preaching. And you just invited anybody from church to preach. Yeah. Like all kinds of people from the congregation preached that summer. Yeah. Before 10 years you in, stepped away from pastor. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the very first time I preached. Yeah. Because I was like, then, I'll try. I worked on articles enough for Sunday school curriculum that maybe I'll try. (laughs) So the more that we came into that, every lead minister came in and started to lean more and more on Kelly. Hmm. And I was just like, well, this is cool. And the biggest thing was, at the end of the day, she was very good at it. You asked at one point between two people, well, would you think about being the pastor? And I said, no. Mm. (laughs) And walked away. I said, no. (laughs) Until... It came around again because then when our last lead pastor said, look, I love you guys. We're going to stay around, but I'm not, I'm not the guy, but you know who is. I was like, who's the guy? Your wife. And I was like, well, that's interesting. But then I wanted to see, and I said, I want to mention this to Kelly. And I remember saying, so you know what? We were in Kroger. Yep. In the produce department. Yeah, actually, I surprised (laughs) you. It's all about food. Big life moments all around food. And I will say this too. I was, we weren't together. So I was someplace else. I had had coffee with somebody. You and just I was like, showed up. I was like, I'm grocery shopping. Why did she's you She's like, hey, here's some here. produce. And I said, <laughs> hey, what do you think about being the lead minister? And there was a look and a pause. And I was like, and I just said, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this, in my spiritual life, Kelly's leadership of our congregation is one of the most unexpected and most massive blessings I think we've ever had. I'll when was that. the moment for you, Kelly, that you knew you would say yes if you were asked? Was it in the produce department? No, but that was the pause was okay. It's something I would give thought to. Mm. And yeah, I just kind of wandered through our house. And I think my biggest hesitancy I've been able to identify and articulate this year is that I said, well, I like people. I like the preaching thing. I was getting used to that. I like all the things I don't want to lead. That sounds, Mm. I don't think I'm a leader. And I think my hangup had been just what, what was defined as a church leader or how that was modeled or all the stereotypes or just all the things that 
typically I saw I was like, well, I'm not that, so therefore I'm not a leader. Mm. I'm not the person who is always looking to the next thing. I don't have the five-year plan. <laughs> if you were to ask at any job interview, I don't like that question. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. So I always thought I didn't have the vision part or the personality, certain traits. And so I feel like I have was supposed to say yes anyway. <laughs> Despite that, it was that whole, okay, God, You'll fill in what I don't have. I just feel there's a big gap here. If I'm supposed to say yes, I just sensed a compelling, supposed to say yes. I like Echo. They've always been my family. I like doing what I'm doing and just being able to teach more. And I've always liked to come alongside people. So that all felt very natural. So I was like, well, God, you have to help me figure out the leadership part of it. But what I think I've, what's happened is in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've got this checklist that God, you got to teach me how to do or bring me the right people. But in a way, I feel like it's also been, I just had to change a perspective too. And I've had people, Steve included, just to remind me that, oh, well, you already have these things. It's just leadership can look different. Mm. And it helped me to meet other begin to meet up with other pastors in Cincinnati, both male and female, who were different than the stereotype that I'd had in my head or what I expected had to be. And to realize, oh, there's other people already doing this and they don't fit that checklist. But here's how they lead and meeting with them and talking with them gave me that encouragement to, oh yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't feel like that either. But all of them probably said that. Mm. Oh, I didn't think I could do that either because I was this way. I was cut from this cloth or I just looked at the world this way so I didn't think I could lead. So that gave me that, oh, okay, like step-by-step step assurance to take one more step forward. I recently heard a statistic that a man will apply for a job mm -hmm. if he has 65% of the qualifications. Yep. Seven out of 10 or whatever. Yeah, he has and a woman will typically only apply for the job if she believes she has 100% mm -hmm. of the qualifications. Mm -hmm. Which, as you were saying that, that's what I thought of, of looking at this list and saying, well, I don't have all of what I have been taught the qualifications are, which mm -hmm. may or may not actually be the qualifications to lead a church. But I don't have everything that I've been taught are what I need. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a hesitancy to try. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you aren't the best person for the job. So as you've stepped into that role, what are some of the challenges you've faced either internally within your own like stepping into it or externally what other people have put on you i guess i was expecting the external and haven't had a lot of i kept prepping myself for an external but then i think the internal was a little bit more like oh i have an amazing husband who has led this church before and i kept looking over to him I'd be like, did he, how was that? Like mm -hmm. I kept looking over, like you didn't ask for that, but I just kind of looked for your approval all the time and I had to get mm -hmm. out of that habit. Mm -hmm. Not that spouse, we have a, you know, encouragement. I want him to be proud of me, but it wasn't I was looking at a little bit more permission wise maybe. It wasn't because mm -hmm. I was a man. <laughs> no, just because you've it done the because role. because this is, yeah. And you I, had preached and you'd studied teaching this. Teaching in seminary ministry students puts that there. 
But right. I also think there's like the imposter syndrome with not having done all the degrees he's done. Mm. It was like even just doing a different approach to ministry was like, oh, well, people are used to this. I it was a little bit more internal to say, am I doing it right? Or mm. I don't know. That was harder to overcome than I thought it was going to be like, I'm externally going to stand up for myself. But yeah. it was more just internal confidence or reassurance that like the first time a visitor came and oh hi hi you're the pastor pastor kelly and i was like oh what that's me <laughs> i guess i am <laughs> like that new people coming in saw me as the leader before i was always a supportive person mm -hmm. that always felt like okay. a very comfortable role like i have ideas and thoughts but mm -hmm. i'd rather edit you than step forward first and so that was why it's always been easy for like Steve's like, I have an idea. Okay, great. I'll help you fix it and make it look better. Hmm. But so now I really mm -hmm. think we're in the flip scenario. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, I have to start. <laughs> I have to take the first step. And that's more intimidating. When you made the shift, how quickly did you see the energy and or um just the belief system of the church and the congregants like change as that shift happens did that empower others to start believing like i have a voice too i don't know that i would have been able to look around and right away and been like oh that person's never done this before mm. but i feel like maybe more people comment like for me it's just like well i'm just doing this thing but i think more people comment to me or you observe it more you're like, oh, what you having? I was like, I don't, can I just be the teaching pastor and just still do what I'm doing? And Steve is the one that kept saying, but it matters that you have the title and that you're being an example for some other people. And I think it depends. It was really neat the other day. Steve said, look, there's like a whole section of females who are older. Like when we started the church, I was like, I miss all the senior citizens who we mm -hmm. left in this church and they haven't started coming to Echo. And then Steve's like, look, there's a whole section of women over here and they're all over 60. And they're new to coming to church. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought, oh, well, that's neat. And so I just think some people are coming or staying maybe in a different, you know, mm -hmm. in a different avenue that wouldn't have come or stayed before what the church ought to do is we find commonality in christ and then it doesn't matter who we are we all become family mm -hmm. and that has been a substantive change too because the diversity of the people that we have now when you think about that moment in O'Charlie's when you said yes and you started the journey to found echo you probably had in mind like a hopeful outcome like uh we hope that we'll see this happen is there something you look at today that you can say like, yeah, that's what we were hoping and praying would happen? Meeting some people that we wouldn't have met before or seeing some people walk in the doors or developing relationship with neighbors or even the fact that I can meet neighbors now through our running group and eventually I say I'm a pastor. I don't lead with that. <laughs> Let them see I'm just a normal person first. <laughs> and have a couple of them visit you know like that was the point is to go and be and live in a neighborhood in a community and just let them know it's a place they can come to i think that that's what gets me excited every time is to connect with the community so anytime that we're 
outside the walls or someone comes in, but or hearing when people are, are connecting with their neighbors. That's the point is to go live like Jesus daily. I feel like if when I get excited, when I hear other people's stories too, like, oh, I connected with this person, I met this person. And that's for me, that was the thought of living it out on a day-to-day basis and when anytime I see example of that from someone from Echo then that that gets me excited mm. and feels like yep that was what the point was I think we knew it was going to happen but it is always still <laughs> emotional is we in the city you invest in people and then sometimes in urban areas they're just there for small moments yeah mm-hmm. so over the years education so, a lot of people come for yeah grad school, so many schools med school yeah, doing residencies, mm-hmm. and you'll come in, and, and really early on, Kelly would be like, well, this is horrible. I was like, why? They're awesome. They're like, they're going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, they will be here for two years, and then they will be gone. It hurts every time. But I think it was about, it was like 15 years in, no, uh, 10 years in, and we looked, and we were, it was very interesting, because we were like, okay, who do we know and where they are at? And we mm-hmm. kind of plotted it on a map. And what was very interesting is we had people all over the globe from our little urban church over that amount of time so that the sun didn't set Hmm. on the influence that we've been able to have in this small church over time. So the kingdom is blessed globally, which we love. And I think that's the thing too, just as far as us ministering, we've had the whole litany of stories to where it's like there were late nights where, you know, things happened and, you know, it's just like you invest so much and, you know, sometimes you're, you feel disappointment, but that's ministry. You feel mm. dismay. But I think both of us are just united by Jesus gave us the church for a reason. He, he trusted, God trusted eternity to flawed human beings to carry out his will on earth. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's fun to be a part of it. With 17 years invested in this Cincinnati neighborhood, what are some of the wins that you've seen outward facing of the presence of a church for 17 years and its impact on a neighborhood or a community could be what? What I'm thinking what it could be is what we've tried to establish Mm -hmm. is just that we are just a part of this. So we were very deliberate early on to say, hey, if there's other stuff going on, we're going to be a part of it. And we might not even get credit for it. There are things that our church has done for the betterment of our little urban community that we were never given credit for. But you're like, that's okay, because at the end of the day, we want the community to be blessed by our presence, Mm -hmm. whether or not it even ideologically agrees with who we are. We just are going to say, we're gonna serve in love, lead in love, and this is what we stand for. Mm. Also, just seeing people care about a community that they didn't maybe didn't know about before. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that was a kind of a value established early on was if even if you don't live here, care about what the church being here. So, seeing people get to know Walnut Hills that maybe don't live in it yet, or mm-hmm. maybe won't ever live in it, but care about and know about the elementary school down the street because we've done a partnership with them, or they know about the new business being started, the new restaurant up the street. That's what it means to be in the community. Mm. This conversation has been helpful for me 
and just understanding the nuances of what it looks like to continue to be the difference, whether you're church planters, church leaders, lead pastors, elders, whatever role that we're playing. And I want to say thank you to the both of you for staying in for 17 years because there are many, many opportunities and stories that you didn't tell that I know would have forced you to have one hand on the door to say, I'm done, I'm out. I don't know that this is worth it. And so thank you for saying yes. Thank you for staying in as a couple and illustrating what it looks like to be deeper interdependent on one another 17 years in as ministers and pastors. But really I want to say thank you because there are some people who still believe that Jesus is real because you keep showing up. There are some people that have navigated some of life's hardest moments knowing that they're not alone because you keep showing up. There are foster parents who've stayed in the game, people who are theologically broken because of that journey, Steve, that you went on as a role of a professor and in this space that felt like they could be seen and known. And Kelly, I know that there are young women who believe that they could be great preachers and teachers and lead pastors because they get to witness the most well-edited sermons every Sunday. Boom. (laughs) But ultimately, thank you for continuing to be friends to a community and to show up no matter what, no matter what happens. Uh, The kingdom is better because you keep leading. And I'm grateful personally because my family is better because you don't Mm -hmm. stop. Chris, you told us to listen for it, but I loved hearing the dynamic between Steve and Kelly and the way that they empower one another in their different giftings, different personalities, different styles of leadership. Um, It was really fun for me during the episode to hear their interaction and that the way that they've collaborated together and what they've built. I've heard a lot historically around mutual submission, but, and I don't love it. So I love that that the way they engage with one another feels like mutual empowerment Mm -hmm. and really advocating for one another in their strengths and support. And that I think led to that transformation in even church leadership. In the middle of that conversation, you actually drew into a statistic that I thought was really powerful around the dynamic and, and made me ask the question of Steve later, like, why would you let go of this? That if if men need only about 65% of a belief that they could do a job to say yes to it and women need a hundred percent that is that's an overwhelming difference that i think has a lot of social and economic impact and leadership impact mm-hmm. so my really easy question is just is that true for you sammy like do you feel like you need a hundred percent confidence before you'll say yes to something yeah i when i learned that statistic uh like a month ago now my first thought was what Everybody doesn't feel like they need 100% of the qualifications in order to say yes. Never. I, I just assumed that was either typical that, ever, I mean, why would you go for something if you didn't think you'd have 100% of the qualifications or a personality thing, like more personality driven than maybe something that's common amongst women. Um, so it was in some ways affirming to hear that and think, oh, okay, this isn't just a me thing, but also discouraging to think how many times have I counted myself out from something because 
I thought I needed 100% of the qualifications and maybe it turns out I didn't. It's powerful for me to hear because I wouldn't have made that assumption about you. Mm-hmm. But now understanding that helps me see the potential in the collaboration because I would definitely fit into that that male dam- demographic for sure. That my belief would be I know enough to learn along the way. I think would be mm-hmm. the 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 way I would frame myself for it. But now it helps me in recognizing that there there are gaps in a lot of our equity around voices because of even the pace in which we might say yes or the access to be an expert in a certain environment. That's really um, impactful for me. It also then helps me understand the power of Kelly's pace, her intentionality around words. It's mm-hmm. even one of my takeaways. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go slower and be more intentional as I picked up more from just the way she shared with us. And I was grateful for that. Yeah, it was really thoughtful in every word that she said there Mm -hmm. was depth to it, which I think is also probably part of why people who tend to feel like they're in the margins feel safe to approach her. Yeah. Because there is like a, a space created by that that feels inviting. Um, I loved that throughout their conversation about Echo, it was this constant callback to drawing forth people who feel marginalized. And whether that was Kelly counting herself out from a role because she didn't have what she thought were all the qualifications and being called into that, or people who attend Echo who have felt historically like they've been on the margins and are called into community. Yeah, and I loved how the empowerment between Steve and Kelly was so clear that Steve loves solving problems so that people can belong in Mm -hmm. that place, especially if they've been unseen or feel like uh, the narrative doesn't include them anymore. And Kelly loves to live that out at the pace that people need to go Mm -hmm. in order to sustainably continue to belong. And at some point in the conversation, there was a reference made to the sun never setting on someone who has been sent from Echo because of the transience of Cincinnati and mm-hmm. the movement around this neighborhood, that the sun never sets uh, on this earth where there's not someone who's called out or sent from Echo. And yet it's the place where pe- so many people were on the verge of just letting the light go out 100% on their faith. I think that dynamic is amazing that just simply being a place where people can belong is making an impact so great. And I think that's a takeaway for me of how do I similarly draw near to Mm -hmm. those who have felt like they're at the end of some kind of rope or felt like they're just not seen? How do I call forth people into community? Um, And how do I see leadership potential in someone and call it out? I don't have the opportunity as much to invest in leaders. How do you think that dynamic will shift for you as a leader of a large staff team? I think both internally for our staff and then externally for, I think about youth and emerging generations Mm -hmm. as leaders often, to recognize that uh, 
there's the there's the planting phase, there's the nurturing phase, and then there's the reaping of the fruit phase. And a lot of what I do as a leader is in the first those first two categories. And to remember to make sure that everyone gets access to being nurtured and developed because we never know who is going to have the moment where their voice is going to be the one that draws other people in. So it just continues to remind me to make sure that everyone gets access to develop at the pace that they feel called to develop and that no one is left out when it comes to leadership. So anyone who's felt unseen should always feel seen around me. Like that would be a a goal for me is to make the world feel seen and that everyone has a seat at the table. We're not sure what your takeaways are for today, but we hope that they resonate a lot with ours, that we continue to see the unseen We continue just to hold one another's stories and empower each other by just saying, yeah, that's you. And last, that we look for equity in the ways in which each of us need to go on our learner's journey to become the leader so that we can be the difference. To learn more about Kelly and Steve and Echo Church, check out the show notes. We have information and links for you there. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you on the next episode. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) 